makes the average citizen puke. Look at this system and say, yuck, you know, what's going on? I don't know about this man, except I've read bad stuff about him. And uh, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't like what I read about him. We are more than just one coin. We create the world around this coin. Come, invention, come. Okay, in five, four, three, two... The evil has gone. Hello, welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. My name is Sean P. McCarthy, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts... Steve Jeffries. Andy Palmer. And so this week, we're doing a bit of a theme week. And I think the theme this week is uh, billionaire uh, right-wing mouthpieces. Uh, on the Patreon, later this week, we're going to have an episode about Dan Ferris Wilkies, who are the fracking billionaires who uh, fund Ben Shapiro's Daily, Me- uh, Daily Wire media project. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about a, a student loan billionaire who's uh, rather obscure. His name is Kerry Katz, and he's the current primary owner of Blaze Media, which hosts uh, right-wing pundits such as Mark Levin and uh, now Glenn Beck. And uh, joining us for this discussion is uh, our friend, a very funny stand-up comedian who was also a former comment moderator at The Blaze, (laughs) Adam Sokol is here today. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thank you for being with us, Adam. Thank you. And uh, I guess before we we start talking about kind of Kerry Katz and his biography, uh, I'm glad that you're here and you can kind of answer our questions because it is a very curious thing for those who remember Glenn Beck's The The Blaze as kind of a precursor to the, the Trump era. Where Glenn Beck, you know, was this Fox News pundit who talked about George Soros as the puppet master and, you know, said buy gold because there's about to be hyperinflation and really spread all these conspiracy theories and then went off and launched his own network. And you were the person who moderated the comments on that fever dream. The gold thing was a conspiracy theory. What's that? Gold thing was a conspiracy theory. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But I I have some gold to sell. (laughs) But I guess it's just, uh, it's something where uh, I would be curious, because you you told us you worked there for about five years. About five years full-time, yeah. A couple years before that, uh, part-time. Mm-hmm. And I guess my first question would be, first of all, how did you find that gig? And second, did you notice any change over the time you were there in the kind of comments you were moderating? It, uh, I, mean, I, uh, I, I got the job from my friend who was also a comic, uh, I probably won't say his name for his sake, but uh, he uh, he worked there as a comment. He was the, the the leader of the comment moderators, and he got me the job uh, because I needed the money. And so, yeah, he uh, he helped me get the job. And yet there was, from when I started to when I, because Beck came out as a pretty big anti-Trumper. I think he was one of the first media pundits who really bet wrong. <laughs> on that and he bet hard and bet wrong and he just didn't think people were gonna buy into trump and boy his the comment the comments just got so vitriolic against <laughs> against beck uh and then they shut down the comments shortly thereafter <laughs> and eventually um the subject of today's episode carrie katz is the founder of conservative review and crtv he would in december 2018 buy out the blaze and this is around or just before that time you were laid off yeah. because Glenn Beck had gone so anti-Trump that it cost you a job. Yeah, that, w- that summer we, we all lost our jobs. That, that must be a bittersweet feeling. Like, come on, man. Could you just drink the Kool-Aid so I could keep cashing this yeah, check? Yeah, this is, the, this is the one. I mean, and at that point he had drank the Kool-Aid. So we lost our jobs for nothing. He right. uh, went back on it and still we, we, all, we all took it on the chin. 
Right. Like for those who remember, you know, Glenn Beck uh, in the lead up to the election compared Trump to Hitler. He did that weird stunt with the Cheetos where he rubbed Cheeto dust on his face. Uh, (laughs) And then and then after the election, he went on like a apology tour where he hung out with Samantha Bee and uh, these other kind of liberal bastions and said, I'm sorry, I want to do civility politics now. Great interview with Bob Garfield on on the media, by the way. Okay, I haven't heard it. But oh, it's fantastic. Sounds very interesting. Because uh, Bob Garfield doesn't buy into it for a second, <laughs> and Glenn Beck is angry that he doesn't buy into it for a second. It didn't. Didn't Glenn Beck like try to dress like a flower child or something for a minute? Like he had a weird hipster vibe going. For, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to knock it too much because that's probably going to be my look in like five <laughs> years. But. But yeah, like, and so he does this whole tour, and then Glenn Beck in 2018, early 2018, puts on a MAGA hat and announces on his uh, radio program that he will vote for Donald Trump in 2020, and, you know, does a total about face to try and save his network, but the damage is already done, and uh, then he gets bought out uh, by uh, Carrie Katz. Um, but I guess it is just, uh, it's interesting that he is one of the the people who led to Donald Trump, but ultimately, I guess, got mad that somebody else was running the same grift as him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it being, I get another question I just wanted to ask before we start here is, were there any particular events that stand out in your mind as when, like, it was all hands on deck at the Blaze comment moderating section? Oh, uh, anything Trayvon Martin or yes. Michael Brown. Those two. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I mean, yeah, we just, I mean... You have to have, like, a team huddle right before that. <laughs> we really... It was just uh, the, the slack went off on our phones. And it was just like, this is the moment we've been training for. Come that's, on. That's your Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> we got to keep the store you, open yeah, all night. Open it, right when you open the doors. <laughs> Chaos. It's just like one of those videos of people flooding into the store, but it's all the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they didn't let people post pictures there or anything. No, yes. thank God. They yeah. did not. Oh, okay. it's text only. Did, what was it like when um, the alt right was like briefly a huge deal, like like when it was first like, wait, were you there like twenty fifteen? Yeah, yeah. I don't really see. It's one of those things where when you spend so much time in that that very particular bubble, things that are a big deal everywhere else aren't. Like, no one gave a shit, shit about the, the alt-right. I mean, it just wasn't an issue. It was like, oh, the alt-right, you mean, like, Gary. He's, yeah, everyone, <laughs> whatever. So he's a little bit more Nazi-ish than me, but everyone likes that guy. It, would, like, wasn't wasn't an issue. Okay. Right, there was, like, Richard Spencer giving the hail Trump, hail our people salute right after the election, which was widely condemned and, I mean, kind of cost him his career. Uh, but there were a bunch of those moments where people weren't really sure where this was all going to go. And luckily, it all turned out great. <laughs> it, it cost him his career in kind of a milder way that the beer hall putsch cost Hitler his career. <laughs> <laughs> I do just like the the imagination of being a right-wing comment section moderator is like being a first responder whenever a black teenager is killed by the police. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are the EMTs. First on the scene at uh, Tower 7. Um, 
But uh, and I guess uh, before we started, there is one other thing I wanted to mention is uh, just for those who are following the current presidential campaign, uh, Mike Bloomberg, the billionaire running for president, uh, just released a new ad where, um, among others, he, he shows screenshots of various, uh, quote unquote, Bernie bros harassing him. And among others, he uh, has a screenshot of our those friend. Those are my first responders. <laughs> <laughs> he has a screenshot of our friend Jake Flores from the podcast Pod Damn America uh, as an example of a person person harassing his campaign <laughs> um, and I, I just wanted to say that um, it is very possible that we will see Mike Bloomberg go on come town the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and that would be like our generation's Bill Clinton mm-hmm. playing the saxophone on Arsenio if Mike if Mike Bloomberg went on come town and was like yeah I heard uh, you know Jake Flores has sex with people with Down syndrome <laughs> Well, maybe we won't leave that. <laughs> you've given me shit for talking about come town too much. Yes. And then like ever since then, you've brought it up like five times. Sometimes we can't help ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, you want to run the bits sometimes. Uh, you, your words. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that would be that would be interesting to see. Uh, but I guess we can, um, uh, did you guys have any other questions for Adam, by the way? Well, I just uh, want to note that like, I, I remember talking to you a few years back and you were saying that you were actually working on, um, you had actually done some volunteer work for Sanders original Senate run, yeah, which yeah, yeah. was, I, I thought it was really cool and very surprising since you're all in for Bloomberg now. <laughs> <laughs> Bloomberg Klobuchar 2020. <laughs> was that in 26 or 20, 2006? That was yeah, 2006. Might have been bef- right a little bit before that, even. Okay. I want to say before that. And then we, when we talked, you were like, "Yeah, you know, we thought he didn't have a shot, and then he almost became president, and now he's about to almost become president." More. It's yeah. <laughs> glad I got into ground floor and then lost my idealism years after, and now I just <laughs> don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, we've come so far. They're going to have to actually clip Bernie this time. <laughs> I mean, they had the uh, they had the SEAL team ready to go last yeah. time, but they might actually use it this time. Um, oh, I guess, you know, now, now that we uh, have this subject, I am curious, did Bla- the Blaze commentators have any particular opinion on Bernie Sanders? Because I, I, like, I can guess what they think about Hillary Clinton. He was, he was really a non-issue. Uh, I mean, it was all, everything was, was Hillary and her, you know, the, the amount of bodies she has, uh, <laughs> all over the place and Bill Clinton and like whitewater. All yeah. Stuff. All this yeah. crazy stuff, whether or not she had Parkinson's or has Parkinson's. <laughs> so I mean, Bernie, he might as well have not have been running. I, I don't think I ever heard his name. A few like liberal trolls would be like, Hey, Bernie's the greatest. And people would be like, who? No, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> See when you're when, you, when you're talking about Hillary having Parkinson's and the Clinton body count, all I am hearing is areas of bipartisan cooperation <laughs> between Bernie and the Blaze supporters. Are they just threads, or they're like trying to track the progression of her Kuru? The what's that? Her Kuru, the disease. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, because she eats the uh, brains of children. Yeah. Oh, the prion disorder. Yeah, yeah it's prion disorder. <laughs> Uh, but so, you know, and like we said, I guess we that's, should, that's, that's just like Hillary to not get like the plebeian Kreutzfeld Jakob or mad cow. <laughs> she goes straight to Kuru. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I guess, you know, maybe 20 years from now, people will look uh, through the Blaze comment section in the Internet Archive and find the actual coordinates of the mass grave in Haiti that <laughs> Hillary Clinton dug for those children when her fake charity went there to harvest organs and sex traffic people after the earth- earthquake. Um, but but I guess we should kind of just uh, start with Kerry Katz, because I think this guy, this billionaire, again, student loan billionaire, and... Uh, uh, he buys out um, uh, The Blaze in December 2018. But before that, he had launched something called Conservative Review. Uh, you might also know it as CRTV. Conservative Review is like a, a website as well as a media network. And Conservative Review, interestingly enough, issues these quote-unquote liberty rankings. Well, of- he, he not only launched it, he sued it. Yes. <laughs> he would later sue his own thing in order to uh, probably try to avoid paying a legal judgment against him. <laughs> Uh, but it's interesting, CRTV, or uh, Conservative Review, the website, issues these quote-unquote liberty rankings of every single federal office holder, and uh, these liberty rankings, you know, of course, basically line up with how they align with his business interests. Uh, so we, we talk about he's a student loan billionaire. There is a little-known provision of Obamacare that basically destroyed uh, the private student loan business. Not entirely destroyed. Of course, they can still collect mm. their usurious interest and all that. But it kind of stopped the origination of new subsidized private student loans. So he became a big repeal Obamacare completely guy because that would, of course, undo that. Well, change it was, the yeah, law. it was something that I, I don't think a lot of people knew about. I certainly didn't. But it, it was... Um Essentially, there was uh, starting in '65. There were uh, subsidies um, because before that, student loans were a very risky loan to um, to give because you know if someone goes to college and doesn't get a job, and then they default, you know you're shit out of luck. And so the federal government uh, passed a law that essentially uh, what it did was it uh, shielded student loan companies from default. And it gave them a guaranteed interest rate so that um, if the student loan company had to, it, it basically filled in the gap between the interest rate that the students would pay mm-hmm. um, and the guaranteed interest rate. So mm-hmm. if uh, someone with a student loan was paying like 1.5%, the uh, federal government would guarantee like 3.5% and pay the 2% difference. So it was basically free money. Right. Um, yeah, they would subsidize like a few basis points of every loan that they're made in a student loan corporation yeah yeah i mean it's it's the you know question mark suit guy uh you know it's free money from the government um there's actually a very telling quote in this uh las vegas sun article um about uh carrie Katz's kind of upbringing where uh it, there's this it, the quote says i'm surprised more companies hadn't gotten into this industry because it's a cash cow Mark Kantrowitz, whose finaid.org became the go-to reference for college borrowers and industry lenders, told Business Journal. Which, I mean, saying I'm surprised more companies haven't gotten into this because it's a cash cow. (laughs) It's kind of given the game away that, oh yeah, we're squeezing as much money as we can out of like students and the government. Right. And, and so I think that law you're talking about is the Higher Education Act of 1965, or I think it goes back to 1965. But in particular, in the 1990s, you saw this industry really explode. Um, right, right. Universities got more and more expensive. Administrations started bloating. Yeah, like student student lending didn't was just like a backwater. It wasn't really used too much until like the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. 
Right, and then they also started securitizing the shit in the 1990s, or probably 80s, 90s. But I guess, like, it's so fascinating to me that this guy, Kerry Katz, it's almost impossible to find information about him. You just Google it, it's just poker shit, because he's yeah. also a pro poker player. I, I do want to say something before I go um, too deep into his bio, is that there is absolutely no connection between Kerry Katz and Stephen Paddock. Um, <laughs> Even though they're both successful businessmen and poker enthusiasts, um, despite being both rabid advocates of gun rights, um, there is no evidence that they were friends. I mean, like, you know, Stephen Paddock, he played video poker, whereas Carrie Katz played poker on television. Very different people. They've never been in the same room together. Um, You know, Paddock, he had a stash of child porn, whereas Carrie Katz um, has an anti-child porn charity. Yeah. And so, you know, very different people. And it's even though also Carrie Katz is a billionaire political donor, which is kind of a red flag for pedophile. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, very different people. It was it was so tragic when Adam Sokol banned Stephen Paddock from commenting <laughs> on the blaze. <laughs> and he did not take it well at all. <laughs> uh, it was a three alarm fire. <laughs> it's got to be satisfying, though, to see like the effect of your work in the real world. Oh, yeah. Right. You were like the, what is it called? The Dutch kid with his finger in the dike, like trying to prevent Trumpism from running over America. Just deleting one racial slur at a time. And I'm uh, glad to say that uh, we were successful. Um, mission, mission accomplished. The watchers on the wall yeah. guarding us. I'm actually... Did, because, you know, Facebook moderators report, like, symptoms of, like, PTSD. Did you have any kind of, I guess, after effects see, seeing, uh, let's say, some of the worst of humanity? I, a few times. I mean, because, I, I mean, I've got a pretty, uh, uh, I, I'd say a down view on humanity. So, I, it wasn't really, <laughs> I guess, I, for the most part, I was able to turn off my, oh, how could people be racist i just log on and be like oh yeah people are shitheads this checks out i remember a few times they were just like got the best of me and i would just like just break down every once in a while i do remember once i uh i was reading it was some gay marriage story and i was sitting in my apartment in queens and i was just like i i, I gotta get out of here and i just walked outside and just like sat in front of my house for like 10 minutes and like this lady walks two french bulldog puppies and i was like all right, yeah, it's enough. I can go back now. <laughs> Just go back into the minds of inhumanity. So they didn't have any like designated like well wellness place where you can go and cry. No, no, they didn't. I mean, okay. we worked from home, so that was our. Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah. why. That's yeah. why you work from home, so Glenn, you don't have to sit next to a guy crying. Glenn Beck <laughs> is the only person allowed to cry at that company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it does explain how like in in this era where um. Like at least two out of four of us in this room are big shitheads on the internet. <laughs> um, like I've noticed that you've always been able to keep your cool, and I, I realize that now. Like part of that, part of that is just you know you're you're cool, and part of that I'm sure is being exposed to just the dregs of the internet to the point where like those neurons are just numbed. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. they they stopped firing just years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like. So when we talk about Kerry Katz, and also he, even harder to find information about than Kerry Katz is his brother Ryan Katz, mm-hmm. who is also a student loan guy. And so, it, first of all, Kerry Katz, 
Forbes doesn't put an estimate on his net worth, but multiple sources, like primarily poker sources, say that he's a billionaire. And in all likelihood, he's a billionaire. Just according to pokernews.com, Kerry Katz uh, provided over 800,000 U.S. students with student loans. Uh, He provided them with more than $19 billion in student loans. Mm -hmm. And of course, because of the uh, Joe Biden, among others, bankruptcy law in 2005, it is impossible to get rid of your student loans through bankruptcy. He is going to get all $19 billion of that back unless, say, you know, Bernie Sanders uh, wins the election. Um, but so Kerry Katz has provided $19 billion student loans. His brother Ryan Katz has provided no, another $9 billion in student loans. Oh. And their father was, according to um, the uh, uh, Las Vegas Sun profile that Andy quoted earlier, their father was a pioneer in the student loan industry in the 1990s. So it's like a family business where the, these kids, you know, their yeah. dad... It, it, it looks like they started in this company called ELA Corporation, which... Uh, it was called the uh, Educational Loan Administration Group, mm-hmm. and it took a lot of digging to kind of find anything about this company, because uh, if you look up ELA Corporation, you'll get like four different companies that have nothing to do with this. Um, but yeah, they had the Education Loan Administration Group that it looked like it was kind of, um, it was run by their dad, and then he was the VP of sales and marketing there. And then in uh, 1997, they sold it off to uh, this health insurance company called Health Markets. And right after that, he uh, it looked like there was a good chunk of change that came out of that sale. And I my, my guess is that um, ELA Corporation was probably founded by his dad. And then he brought the boys in. You know, they got equity in it. And then they sold it off. And then Kerry went off and formed his own company using that change. And then like also using kind of his connections and what he learned, built that into the behemoth that it was until like 2010 when it all came crashing down. Right. But yeah, according to this uh, Las Vegas Sun profile, their father was a uh, Marcus Katz, uh, who uh, made they issued close to $10 million in student loans annually throughout the 1990s. Uh, they were kind of pioneers in this industry. They were probably like one of the early people to securitize these things, just like, you know, mortgage-backed securities would, would later destroy the economy. Um, but it's interesting where, uh, just according to this profile, how quickly um, Kerry Katz's business uh, grows. Because like Andy just said, he was working for another company. Then in 1999, Kerry Katz, Katz launches College Loan Corporation. Um, and then quoting from the uh, the profile, uh, college, co- uh, college Loan Corporation's success was eye-popping. The company made $16 million in its first in loans in its first year, 1999. After three years, it made $3.9 billion in loans. By 2003, it was the country's seventh biggest college lender, uh, which is around where it would stay. So, I mean, I guess it just kind of blows my mind that these people who are major players in the uh, student loan industry, one of whom... Uh, sets up a right-wing media network in order to push their own business interest that they've been able to remain so in the shadows. And like the the growth of these lenders by itself is contributing to the growth in the price of education, mm-hmm. as is often the case with uh, like asset prices. They're often bid up when people use debt to obtain them. Right, right. Like, uh, and of course, what the ultimate effect of that is, is that colleges end up just making fancier buildings and bloating out their whole administration. Like uh, Sean and I's alma mater, the University of Washington, around the time that we graduated, um, they bought this 30-story tall skyscraper in the middle of the university neighborhood that was an insurance skyscraper. 
and they bought it just for administration. I'm pretty sure there aren't any classes taught there. Yeah. yeah, it's all overhead. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just where, you know, to intuition kept going up, up and up. <laughs> and, you know, they were saying, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. And they buy this fucking skyscraper. Their yes. glorious Safeco building was yeah. lost. <laughs> yeah. Then they took off Safeco. Well, they took it both off that building and the, the baseball field. True. Right. And so his brother, Ryan, so he launches his company, uh, Kerry Katz does in 1999. His brother, Ryan Katz, launches a similar company, Goal Financial LLC, in 2001. Like we said, uh, his brother, Ryan Katz, made about $9 billion in student loans. He made about $19 billion. But it, it is just interesting That's where... That's total issuance of, yes, of loans. Total issuance yeah. of loans. Uh, it is interesting. There's... It's very hard to find sources about this, but there is a blog. Uh, what is good? What is it good for? Dot blogspot. Dot com. Uh, what is spelled W O T? What is it good for? Dot blogspot. Dot com. And whoever is writing this in two thousand six, oh, it's written by the um, moles from Redwall. <laughs> <laughs> whoever is writing this, I want to give them credit. In two thousand six, they actually go through both of these brothers. Both of these brothers started donating. Uh, to politicians making political contributions heavily before they launched their student loan companies. And it is very fascinating where, like we were saying, student loan, the way this business worked from 1965 to 2010... uh, you have this guarantee from the federal government and you get subsidies from the government. So obviously, if you can get connections with various politicians, you can make a shit ton of money. And something they go through is uh, at this blog, is there was a Republican congressman named Duke Cunningham. He was a Republican from California's uh, 50th district from 1991 to 2005 until he served eight years in prison for taking bribes from defense contractors. (laughs) Uh, So he was also, for a time, on the appropriations... And after that, Congress swore that would be the last time that happens. (laughs) Uh, he was just from his Wikipedia for a time on the appropriations education subcommittee where he used his position to quote steer federal dollars to schools in San Diego. So Carrie Katz's company, the college loan corporation was based out of San Diego originally. So they just kind of went through, uh, I won't even give all the donations, but they point out that, um, he starts his donations in 1997 again, before he launches his company, but from the year 2000 until, uh, until like 2005, he makes $230,000 to various, um, uh, you know, super PACs. He, he donates $55,000 to the um, NRCC, $25,000 to um, the Freedom Project, which uh, John Boehner was a chairman of, um, uh, $20,000 to American Prosperity, which uh, Duke Cunningham uh, was a chairman of. And, you know, on and on and on, just go through the list, you know, the 3500 to Carolina Majority Pack, which Joe Wilson, Republican South Carolina, was on, um, uh, 15000 to Americans for a Republican Majority, which was Tom DeLay's. Tom DeLay, of course, was also taking bribes. And you could go through the list, but the point is, he's making all these political donations, clearly getting some money steered his way from Duke Cunningham, and also in 2005, we get the bankruptcy bill, which is the reason that you cannot discharge student debt in bankruptcy. Hmm. So, yeah, it is and just, like, so blatant. You should not... I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous to point out that, uh, you know, this guy, Kerry Katz, uh, started in California, uh, the same state that Stephen Paddock started <laughs> in. 
Biden voted for that, right? Right. Biden was one of the primary architects of the yeah. bankruptcy bill. But it was, you know, bipartisan in that lots of Republicans supported it, such as Tom DeLay and um, uh, Duke Cunningham and all these other people that he's making donations to. But he was also... He was making uh, donations at this point to kind of mainstream Republicans primarily, but he also made donations to, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Bob Menendez, the uh, New Jersey uh, Democrat congressman uh, at the time. And so it is just something where he's He's also a big supporter of uh, gun owners rights. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, who, Who else supports gun owners rights? Um, I mean, it would just be nonsense to suggest that uh, Stephen Paddock is just an alter ego for Carrie Katz. <laughs> but um, and so I'm not even going to tease that. But it's it's so funny. So in this Las Vegas Sun profile, uh, they interview um, one of Carrie Katz's employee or an employee at one of his subsidiaries. Um, and he says that uh, Customer service was the secret behind College Loan Corp's rapid growth. (laughs) Now, let's dig into that for a second, because uh, there was the the thing that that really killed um, the College Loan Corporation was, of course, that uh, provision in the Affordable Care Act. Um, It was not a settlement with the New York State Attorney General's office, uh, which was only $500,000, thanks to Andrew Cuomo, Mm -hmm. uh, which noted that uh one of one of the um uh tactics that the college loan corporation would use is it would get on um they would get on lists of preferred lenders for colleges uh which is kind of a coveted spot where if a college um you know if they have a student who's having some financial troubles um they'll then say well here's a preferred list of lenders and they will give that uh to the student and the way that the College Loan Corporation was able to get on those lists is that they would offer perks to student financial aid offices um, in return for getting on the list. Uh, they would, let's see, they would sponsor advisory boards that would provide meals, entertainment, and travel for school personnel. Uh, they would also provide extra staff to work in financial aid offices during busy periods. And they even um, got to host financial counseling sessions on behalf of the schools for borrowers. And so if someone was having like financial issues, they would go to a financial aid counselor who would also work for the college loan corporation who would then be like, Hey, you know, uh, um, uh, a good way that you could deal with these, uh, taking out loans with the college loan corporation. (laughs) Have you considered more dead? Yeah. Yeah. Have you considered forfeiting your future? Yeah. You know, customer and service. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not seeing a problem here. Those those like written lists of like approved lenders or like favored lenders is uh, like yeah, preferred. Yeah. Um, they, I think in that case they tried to argue that it's like this is a, something that just schools are just doing, and yeah. we happen <laughs> to be on that list. Yeah. Don't hate the um, player. Yeah. We're just yeah. a player in the game. Yeah. So. And yeah. it would be ridiculous to suggest that Carrot Katz ruined more lives than Stephen Paddock. <laughs> but, um, and so I'm not going to suggest that. Um, yeah, no, the, uh, they were having these, these neutral sessions, uh, where like 
Andy was saying, the Andrew Cuomo was Attorney General of New York. They settle in 2007 for a paltry $500,000. And, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know that uh, the amount of the fine settlement is not equal to the amount of money that they made doing this. Very rarely, because you might hear 500000 and think, oh, this was like an isolated incident. No, this is how they made their business. They were bribing politicians and then bribing colleges to steer students into their uh, predatory lending practices. $500,000, let's see, they had $10 billion <laughs> in assets, so that's what, 0.005% of their assets? Well, clearly he learned his lesson. Yeah. It's not It's not like he went on a... It was a life- very hard slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. It's not like he went on a, a lifelong vendetta after <laughs> his uh, predatory business practices yeah. <laughs> were shut down. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can just imagine just uh, from uh, a Reuters article about this settlement... Um, the, the, in uh, the New York Attorney General's office said when they made this settlement, these counseling sessions we, we mentioned where, you know, students come to... Um, uh, uh, students come to these financial counseling sessions and think they're talking to a neutral arbiter and they're actually talking to a fucking college loan corp employee who's going to steer them into some other fucking garbage product. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of students are saying they prefer the 12% adjustable rate to the 8% fixed rate. <laughs> and they didn't really identify themselves as such. Of course not. They just yeah. said, like, I'm here, like, the school, I'm here to help the school help you you know, figure out your financial situation. Well, yeah, and the um, the AG's office said, uh, while these counseling sessions are required by federal law to provide lender-neutral information, uh, respondent use these sessions, respondent being uh, College on Corporation, mm-hmm. use these sessions as marketing opportunities. Yeah, they're trying to upsell students. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you actually get a better deal with the uh, 5 to 10% loans than you do with the 3% loans if you... Uh, uh, it's really, I mean, the yeah, math's pretty complicated, adjust, so I don't want to get into it. rate. Yeah. yeah unless with an interest-only period at the front. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're dealing with a math major, then <laughs> yeah. anyone. Yeah. yeah, a math or a yeah. finance major might have some, like, follow-up questions. Yeah. They, they ask you. They, they, they're like, um, yeah, we'd like to, uh, you know, help you guys in um, tutoring the students, specifically the uh, lit majors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, before they start, they're like, so could we just like go over your math and finance transcripts here? <laughs> the softer the science, the harder the loan. That's what they say. <laughs> okay, so you've got a, a 1.9 in math-related subjects. So uh, I'm just going to put this big equation on the board and tell you it means that you should be in a 15% interest <laughs> rate right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is so... This entire business, like Andy was saying, it's free money from the government. And, I mean, that's so insane to me that I guess a lot of people don't don't realize that. Just what happened here with college loans is from, you know, 65 to the 90s, it was kind of dormant, but they were getting subsidies, they were getting guaranteed loans, and then from the 90s into the 2000s, it explodes. And, you know, just like one stat of this is... Uh, we, we went through how he was starting out in 99, loaning like, what, 10 or 20 million a year. And then just a few years later, he was loaning 2.3 billion a year. Uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, 3.9 billion. It started first year, 16 million. Three years later, 3.9 billion, how much he's loaning. And then even more jarring than that, 
at the start of the Obama administration, there were about $500 billion in student loans outstanding in this country. Uh, at the end of the Obama administration, there are now about $1.5 trillion. So it tripled throughout the Obama administration. And that's even after what we'll talk about here is that this 2010 provision of Obamacare shut down this kind of federal program. I think looking at like looking at a few of the charts of their company, it looks like their their loan growth outpaced the total student loan debt outstanding growth. So like they were basically they were adding they're, pressure to the system. They're beating the market. <laughs> Said it couldn't be done. They grew their loans faster than the market did. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know they're the uh, uh, Jim Simons of student loan investing. <laughs> they cracked the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, and they eventually had like a. Uh, started sort of a cottage industry of student loan debt securitization in the 2000s. Which, you know, Which loan securitization uh, only only brought good things in that decade. I was going to say, put a pin on that one and uh, <laughs> check back on this episode in five years to see what's been going on with uh, those securitized student loans. Um, but so uh, Matthew Sheffield, writing for Salon.com, wrote uh, one of the best articles I was able to find on this guy. Um, and it goes through it in the context of his, his feud with another right-wing pundit named uh, Mark Stein. Uh, they, they had a lawsuit back and forth we'll talk about in a, in a minute here. But I wanted to, to highlight, so uh, there's a provision in Obamacare, which passes in 2010, which ends the federal family education loan program. Uh, they redirect that money um, they, they, they end these subsidies for these private loans, and then the government gives more money directly. They redirect more money to, uh, to Pell Grants, uh, the, the government um, subsidies for tuition. Though I did just want to highlight uh, one thing from the Washington Post. Uh, the Pell Grants launched in 1973. They once covered, when they launched, uh, around two-thirds of the total cost of an education at a public university would be covered by a Pell Grant. Um, now, it uh, in 2010, it covers less than a third, Oof. which has only gone down. So it just kind of shows you why this industry got so lucrative, because of these big tuition hikes. But um, from the Salon article by Matthew Sheffield, uh, and once the, uh, the provision eliminating... Uh, his business model, the uh, Federal Family Education Loan Program. Once that became apparent, uh, he said, Matthew Sheffield says that Kerry Katz changed his donation habits. Instead of giving to candidates beloved by GOP elites, you know, such as Duke Cunningham, Tom DeLay, George W. Bush, he began massively funding conservatives who were campaigning against the Republican mainstream and party leadership. Instead of giving to the likes of Bush or Jeffords, Katz began donating to firebrands like Nevada, Nevada senatorial candidate Sharon Angle, former Rep. Alan West of Florida, former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, um, Christine O'Donnell, uh, the Delaware Senate candidate, and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Um, and they go through some of the other people they uh, that he backed. One other thing these political personalities had in common is their professed desire to completely repeal the Affordable Care Act and quote-unquote start over, as, as Sarah Palin has repeatedly demanded. A total repeal of Obamacare would, of necessity, also reinstate the federally-backed private student loan industry on which Katz built his fortune. <laughs> So you do see the shift where, and this is also around the time that he launches what would become CRTV and now The Blaze. It's just entirely influence peddling under the guise of conservatism and liberty scores or whatever else you want to call it. I guess I don't understand. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. these kinds of people, like, 
This guy made several billion uh, uh, doing these student loans. He got cut off. Now he's a, a pretty successful poker player. <laughs> why, do, why do you even want to go back? That sounds like such a shitty job. He's just hanging around Vegas playing poker all night. Why do you, why do you even want to go back to, to screwing students out of loans? I mean, you, you've got a pretty well, sweet life. I mean... Uh, if you compare the, I'm on this guy's side. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I just, I just want Carrie Cats to be happy. That's all I want. <laughs> well, it is a bit. It's probably, it's probably a bit less risky than being a poker player to just have a massive student loan portfolio that's well, guaranteed by the government. You're a billionaire. There's nothing risky when you're a billionaire. Everything. <laughs> that's true. If you think getting like a good uh, flop or river or other poker <laughs> term is like yeah. a huge rush, <laughs> uh, just imagine screwing over 100,000 students that does sound in pretty one sick. fell uh, swoop. Yeah. It's like, here comes the river. <laughs> <laughs> the Fed lowers interest rates. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, Adam. Do you remember any student loan-related commentary on the Blaze, or was this just totally ignored over there? I, I if there was, that was probably one of those like non-stories that had like 20 comments that, <laughs> that no one really gave a shit about. It was just like it, it's really police violence pays the bills over there. Yeah, <laughs> that's what drives the advertising. That's our, that's our bread and butter. That's <laughs> or was our bread and butter. Uh, but yeah, and so he launches CRTV with uh, Mark Levin is um, a conservative radio pundit you might be familiar with. People compare him to Master Shake. You can watch YouTube videos with um, his commentary played over uh, the Master Shake animation. It's pretty seamless. Uh, but he was he was a never Trump guy who also eventually bent the knee because of financial interest. Um, he was a big backer, actually, of um, uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz for the presidency. Mark Levin was all in the tank for yeah. Ted Cruz. Let's see, Cruz won Iowa, I think. Uh, he won one, like one state early on. I think it was Iowa. Yeah, yeah, he won Iowa. Mm -hmm. And there was like the the RNC establishment breathed a sigh of relief <laughs> for just like one moment. Finally, we stopped him. <laughs> And like it was a fairly somewhat close victory, yeah, yeah. And then it was just like old Trump, yeah, for the entire rest of the contest. It was like, it turns was, out you can't uh, win a presidential election focusing all of your energy on the early states. <laughs> was like the Blaze comment section at this point. Was this just all Trump, or were there actually like Ted Cruz people in some division? Like Rubio. There, there was a few. There was a few Cruz people. A few Cruz diehards. Uh, one, oh a couple Rubio people, and that was that was about it. Uh, Bush was not even not even considered by no, anyone. No Car <laughs> Carly Fiorini stands. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one went nuts when like they got to they they've been shipping Fiorina and Cruz for years, and they finally teamed up. That when they when they tried to uh, when they tried to like, when they joined forces, there was a pretty big backlash <laughs> against against them. <laughs> Every time there was a debate, it must have been like shot that dream team. <laughs> Every single debate night must have been like, you gotta get ready. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of crack your knuckles and would have just you know would take turns, just like all right, remind same. people of the forum, like the rules. Yeah, constantly. I mean, no, I mean, it's, it, when insults were fine as long as they were like mild insults. When so you could call you know. Trump a jerk or an idiot all day long and people did that uh, some some people did that but it was more yeah that that wasn't really the problematic stuff it was just like overt 
when people would call for violence. That's that's when we had to kind of step in, like, hey, please quit. Like watering, like watering to shoot the, that person. The tree, the tree of liberty. Oh god, that quote. Shit. So every day, it was, like a, it was like a daily occurrence. Just like, it wouldn't even matter what the story is. That was just something that just happened every every goddamn day. I do like that uh, Ted Cruz had a well thought out plan to uh, team up with the lady famous for uh, ending people's careers when she worked at HP. Like, how's that going to work out for you, buddy? I, I do want to apologize to Adam for having you on and then revealing that you were a mod for some of the most uh, violent and insane people uh, in the United States, while at the same time you have a comedy career I, where you're uh, in public and findable. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of reach you think your podcast has, but I, <laughs> I imagine the overlap is that is not much of a Venn diagram there. So it might be like two people and one's my former boss. And we've been taking out ads in bright parts. So. <laughs> so like when you ban people at the blaze, do you leave them a, why were you, why you were banned message or do they just not know what happened? Every, every once in a while, there would be a few people who we would ban and then we'd send like a, we'd send a message to like, Hey, we don't, we don't use those words <laughs> anymore. Uh, this isn't, this is an 1861. Uh, and every sometimes they'd be like, oh, you know, I got carried away or whatever. But uh, usually it would just be, it would get to the point where we would like put people in timeout. We would let them know they were in timeout. But if you got banned, you had to, we had to fuck up pretty bad. And then sometimes we, there was one, I can't, I wish I remember his name right now. It's uh, There was a few people who, uh, there was one guy who his name was Mad as Hell originally, and then he just kept on coming back with uh, an extra <laughs> L on Hell. And <laughs> he was up to like eight, nine. And we even like IP banned him. And it just, every time, it was just Mad as Hell. And he would be gone within like hours, but he still would come back the next day with a new L. <laughs> So I, love, awesome. I actually do love that though like a guy boomer enough to have that as his username but web savvy enough to change his yeah. ip address yeah. when you ip ban him it's like the most dangerous hybrid of online combining millennial and boomer energy we had another one this is one of my my i don't know if you can say favorite races but this is <laughs> Definitely, one. It was this. It was it was like my white whale for the longest time because they kept on changing their names and IPs, and they would toe the line long enough, and then they would just launch into this thing about the Jews, like every every once in a while. And the craziest thing, I don't know how, I just I finally found information on the user, and it was a young woman. Which just blew my mind. She was a young lady named Deborah. <laughs> so don't don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> That's Jeez. great that Deborah is doing deep cover psyops. <laughs> where she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna ingratiate myself with the Blaze commentary and slowly red pill them on the JQ. I like that they can't they just can't help themselves eventually. You have to go into like the anti-Semitic rant. Yeah. Eventually. The if only to like prove your bona fides. <laughs> and that was also, that was another, that was a bit from the, the boards. Racist, ra- racism is a lot more prevalent, but anti-Semites are a lot more tenacious, like as individuals. 
Okay. Was, was there a lot of overlap um, with uh, anti-Semites and people who would uh, go all in on the lizard person conspiracy? <laughs> we we got surprisingly few lizard people. Uh, oh. I mean, I was I'm still surprised how few lizard people people uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were there were. I remember once when uh, Sean and I lived together, just like on a lark, we started going through YouTube on like, oh, well, let's see what these lizard people videos are about. And they would be like a um, a video of an, like a um, Secret Service guy for Obama, like twitching his head from side to side. <laughs> and like, then he would lick his lips and they'd be like, see? And then <laughs> like, it would be that for about three minutes. And then the stars of David would come. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's much overlap between the lizard people. And like people like the mad as hell, like the mad as hell guy. Yeah. The like hardcore racists probably aren't as far in the lizard people uh, section, but the anti-Semites seem to at least a subset yeah, yeah, of them, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd think. I can see that. The, the most powerful ones are the, the ones who believe the Jews are controlling the world and the lizard people are controlling the Jews. <laughs> Once you get the grand unified theory, you are unstoppable at posting. I just imagine, like, it just had me thinking, did you ever have to look up, like, 19th century racial slurs that the oh, commentators yeah. were using? Yeah. <laughs> just, like, I, I just see Adam Sokol there, like, looking up Quadroon and being like, oh, no, you got to go for that one. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah, be saying that. Just, you would, oh, like, like, official, it's, like, under official review. <laughs> you have to, the game is on pause. And yeah. Like, <laughs> just like, you have to I, instant replay. I don't know what this word means, but I don't like it. So I'm going to, I'm going to be back with you guys in a minute. <laughs> They can they can appeal directly to to Glenn Beck to sort out whether or not you're allowed to be racist against review. the Irish. It's under review in New York. <laughs> but yeah, it, so that is the the website because uh, the Blaze was originally just a website and a forum, and then it launched a media. Not quite 24 hours, but they had various personalities on there, like yeah. a video thing, and they had Tommy Lauren on there for a bit, as as well as of course Glenn Ble- uh, Glenn Beck. <clears throat> But that is the media property that Kerry Katz decided to invest in. Um, and, you know, just from like various... It's a, so, such a shame how Tommy Lauren died in a, the Thresher incident. <laughs> no one knows that that's true because we haven't heard from her. In, uh, is she not on Fox anymore? Oh, was she? No. I, yeah. I thought she moved to Fox after, uh, after the blaze. I just remember in like 2016, everyone was talking about her and then gone. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice if she got fired uh, from Fox, at least for her dog, because it would stop getting kicked in the stomach while she was on air. <laughs> it was funny because when she left the blaze, she was replaced with a nearly identical, equally dumb blonde lady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. It was like Abby or something like that. I don't know. They grow them in labs. They're, that's what the, the real boys from Brazil are, the girls from Brazil. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. I saw a bombshell, and it turns out they're the real heroes. <laughs> <laughs> the people who were racist, but uh, once their careers were established, decided to stop enabling uh, rape and sexual harassment. There's no such thing as a perfect victim. <laughs> uh, 
but so the this is of course the blaze the media empire the forum where they uh, use 19th century racial slurs and slowly uh, drop knowledge about the JQ uh, and later you know radio empire uh, or not empire but it was for a period just according to press the daily beast the blaze was for a moment bringing in about 90 million dollars in revenue annually so there was a second where Glenn Beck leaves Fox News in 2011 uh, with all this conspiracy bullshit and he has a rabid audience who wants to buy that stuff up they love initially sarah palin then they gravitate towards donald trump so he's doing all right but he really bankrupts his own business by opposing donald trump and uh then in december two th- uh, in mid 2008 he has to do layoffs um and i think they get down to a skeleton crew of like 50 people or something and then they get bought out or merge uh with carrie Katz. but it's really a buyout they're also and i don't know if this uh well i don't I don't think I signed anything that would prevent me from saying any of this, but uh, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. If I get sued immediately after this, there was. I don't know what kind of reach you think we have. <laughs> yeah, if, but Mr. Beck, if you're listening, I would love my job back. Uh, I will. I will renounce these fucking idiots the second you do. Uh, now there, there, there was like because uh, like the. A lot of the stories focus on Trump being like the problem, but I mean, it was making money hand over fist. And then the blaze started spending money on weird, weird shit for Mm. years before that. Um, They purchased they purchased a giant movie studio in Texas where they made a uh, they made a, a, a gritty Santa Claus origin story movie. That there's a trailer for, but so far as I know, has never seen the light of day. Wait, sort of like the Passion type, like yeah, like the the Passion meets Batman Begins meets Santa Claus the movie, and the trailer is just fucking bonkers. I haven't been able to find it in years. And then he also started a weird clothing line, like 1776 jeans, where all the the jeans were like 175 dollars, and his fans would just shit on it. In the <laughs> Yeah, it was called, I think it was called the Mercury Studio or something yeah. like that. Just according to, like, uh, uh, I think the Daily Beast, Glenn Beck had a, a real obsession with, um, uh, what's his? Walt Disney. Walt Disney, yeah. But also um, the Mercury Theater guy who did War, the Orson Welles. Oh. He also had an Orson Welles thing. And so, like, he gives, Glenn Beck gives these quotes about how getting bought out by CRTV will allow them to have a movie studio in um, Dallas and... Uh, I guess focus on making feature films, which uh, just Spiel, I, Spielberg. Uh, no, Orson Welles, the original um, War of the Worlds guy, who did oh, okay. it as a radio play. Yeah. First. It is it is really easy to swap in Glenn Beck on that Citizen Kane clapping shot, <laughs> like in your mind. It, like I was like I, I was trying to picture it, and then it just like appeared immediately. And I was like, oh wow, yeah, you can just do a one to one on that. I guess for the end of this, unless you have, have anything else, uh, we can talk about. The uh, college loan corporations, um, uh, kind of twilight activities. Hmm. Um, they, they, uh, after kind of losing their free money for the government, they've shifted to a more, I guess you could say, twenty first century model. Um, they, they now have um, a subsidiary called Advisors, which itself has several uh, subsidiaries. One of them, Scholarship Points. Scholarship points, you know, like those things you get from a bookie. <laughs> they and what they do is they offer a ten thousand dollar scholarship to students uh, that isn't given on merit. It's just kind of a raffle, and the way you get it 
is you fill out a form with all of your personal information. And then what happens after that is they sell your personal information. Um, there was a, an article in the Washington Post says uh, this company ALC, which is a data reseller, takes data from advisors and repackages it for marketers, uh, according to advertisements on ALC's website. ALC advertised a college-bound student master file, which includes the names and home addresses of up to 3 million students for a rate of $95 per 1,000 names. Hmm. And for a few extra dollars, marketers could also buy the name of the college each student plans to attend and his or her expected field of study. And um, for this for this article, advisors uh, refuse to comment, which means uh, they are incredibly guilty of doing that. <laughs> and uh, you know who else refused to comment for that article? Stephen Paddock. Uh. <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny because, like, if you go to the advisors page, they have uh, um, they advertise being uh, endorsed by the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> If you go to the Better Business Bureau page on Advisors, they have a one-star rating and all the comments are like, stop calling me. (laughs) Get me off your email list. There's no unsubscribe button. And on top of that, they they have a page. Advisors has a page. If you look up Advisors Scam... You're uh, one of the first Google results is a landing page on advisors that says uh, that's about how to avoid scholarship scams <laughs> um, that identifies like all the different kinds of scams. For instance, uh, uh, scholarship scams often have very broad eligibility criteria so that everybody is eligible, which then <laughs> right above this, uh, I think you guys can see there's a banner that says 10K scholarship giveaway. Register for scholarship points for your chance to win. It's it's a literal everybody is eligible for this scholarship right above their warning that scholarship scams uh, tell people that everybody is eligible. They also, towards the bottom, talk about identity theft and that uh, some scholarship scams don't directly ask for money. Instead, uh, they involve a form of identity theft where the scholarship scam uses the student's information to apply for credit cards. And they don't do that specifically. They just use it to sell their personal information to people <laughs> mm. who would do that or something. Mm. Um, and I, I guess what I'm trying to get at with here is, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned that Stephen Paddock uh, had a bunch of child porn, but <laughs> to contrast that, Carrie Katz has an anti-child abuse charity. <laughs> Well, the charity thing is is fucking weird. And I will say that he has an anti-scholarship scam website that is engaging in scholarship scams. So, And I'll uh, leave it as an exercise for the listener to connect the rest of the dots. Yeah. Adam, do you want to say it and get yourself involved in two lawsuits? <laughs> it's just, you get hit with the uh, Glenn Beck lawsuit and then the Carrie Katz lawsuit immediately when this drops. Did you? Do you know if you signed an NDA or anything? I think I did, but I wrote that thing for the New York Times and no one yelled at me, so... So and you were doing that job out of Queens, New York, and yeah. Glenn Beck was in Texas this whole time. It's or? no, it, it started. There was an office in uh, in Midtown. Uh, there was a couple offices in Midtown, and uh, pretty pretty sick places actually. But mm. uh, uh, then they moved to Houston or uh, Dallas or whatever. 
a few years, few years after I got to the job. So the last two years, there was no one, no one around us. Yeah, I imagine if you're like a media operation being bankrolled by billionaires to promote their interests, you're going to have a pretty nice office. Yeah. <laughs> you actually did get to see what he did with all that money he got to sell gold to the suckers. <laughs> We've Beautiful about- digs. <laughs> and you could just go in and they would give you a copy of one of Glenn Beck's books. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what they did with that money. Well spent, <laughs> if you ask me. But so They just had crates of them and they're like, yeah, it's a bestseller. <laughs> But so this organization Andy mentions called Stop Child Predators. You can check it out on Google, on Facebook. Uh, kind of mixed reviews. A bunch of one stars complaining about their kind of bizarre anti Airbnb campaign, <laughs> where this anti uh, child sex trafficking organization says that short term rentals are a danger to children and are how child sex trafficking happens. Which, I mean, whatever you think about Airbnb, it's it seems like a thought, weird thing for that organization to focus on. I thought that was one of the perks of Airbnb. <laughs> Um, one of the yeah, potentially one of the weirdest members of like the the housing coalition. <laughs> Stop short term leases and rent controlled buildings and stuff. But I, I just wanted to go back to this. Uh, what is it good for? Dot blogspot. Dot com. They actually do talk talk, talk about. Um, this organization against stop child predators it doesn't seem like it does anything like it posts a couple facebook uh, things and it has a donate page on it but it, it doesn't really seem to do much of anything and they just kind of go through um carrie katz of course is the chairman and, and president but also um on the board is um uh, viet dien at, at least this is as of 2006 it's changed since then uh, viet dien was a uh, serves on the board of rupert murdoch's news corporation elizabeth wood was a cfo at um uh, Carrie Katz's College Loan Corp. But then it gets a little weird here. Lizette Benita is uh, the former Deputy Assistant Attorney General for Office of Justice Programs at the U.S. Department of Justice. And Mark Carollo is the uh, former Director of Public Affairs at the U.S. Department of Justice. Hmm. So you don't really know exactly what he's using this for, but it also seems like a way of just giving jobs to former government employees, uh, which in turn buys him influence with these same government agencies. You can say the U.S. Department of Justice might have an interest in the fact that he's running a fucking scam and violating federal laws by steering students into uh, predatory loans. It's also not worth looking into that some of the most prominent politicians of the last few decades who... uh, also made ending child trafficking a big part of their advocacy were um, (laughs) deeply connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Hmm. Um, And we won't spend too much time on it, but I did just want to mention um, uh, Republican, uh, well, let's say kind of right wing stop the Islam uh, Islamitization of Europe guy, Mark Stein. You might uh, see him on the Tucker Carlson program semi-regularly. He went in a big back and forth lawsuit with uh, Carrie Katz. Um, it's kind of a murky story. Like, um, basically, Kerry Katz wanted to buy back his uh, pro-Trump audience after, you know, Mark Levine went on kind of a scorched earth. So they hire uh, Mark Stein to do these um, video programs, like five a week. And then, um, according to Kerry Katz and uh, the Daily Beast got... Um, uh, Eight employees, no, nine former Mark Stein show employees who submitted sworn declarations for the arbitration that, or eight of them said that they believe Mark Stein, quote unquote, intentionally sabotaged the show (laughs) by like showing up late, berating the staff, um, you know, not doing the work. Being a fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
regardless of who you believe in this story, Mark uh, Stein or Carrie Katz, uh, they go in these dueling lawsuits, and an arbitration court orders uh, Carrie Katz to pay Mark Stein $4 million for breach of contract. And then Carrie Katz comes up with the interesting idea of suing his own CRTV, where you know various people have gone through how Carrie Katz manages every single uh, expenditure at CRTV. He signs every paycheck, and then he sues CRTV supposedly for underpaying him. And, you know, Mark Stein is probably correct when he says he's doing this just in order to avoid paying out this $4 million judgment, where this is eventually thrown out in court, but he attempts to sue his own company in order to say, oh, we're insolvent now because of this lawsuit that I launched, (laughs) so we can no longer pay Mark Stein. Um, And he sues Mark Stein like three different times for uh, various figures, I think 25 million total, um, and ties him up in court for for three years or however much. But I mean, it just kind of shows you, uh, regardless of what you think of both of the players, this is a billionaire who's willing to use the legal system to sue Mark Stein for defamation and breach a contract three times and sue one of his uh, two of his friends for defamation as well. It's just something that billionaires who have the resources can do is just sue your critics for defamation and tie them up in uh, legal fees and then sue your own company to avoid paying them if a court rules against you. Um, So he's a shady guy and it makes sense why there's so little attention on him because, you know, you're definitely running a risk if you report on this guy. And it's worth noting that suing your critics uh, doesn't work and you shouldn't try it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're sorry we just got you named in this lawsuit, Adam. Yeah, well. (laughs) One more to the pile. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we, we will see what, what happens with Carrie Katz, but, um, was, was there anything at, at your time at the blaze that we didn't really get to that, that you think is relevant for our, our current moment? Well, Adam? no, but also you didn't mention his stupid poker nickname that I guarantee you he came up with it himself. It was like El Jaffe or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I mean, it just has, he came up with that himself, written all over it. I, I think it was El Jaffe. If not, sue me again for that. I don't, I don't give a shit. If it wasn't El Jaffe, it was something equally dumb. It's like a bit character who was killed off in episode three of Narcos. <laughs> but yeah, he also, yeah, he did launch a poker, um, like a web streaming poker thing. In October 2015, he launched the website Poker Central, uh, where members can watch live poker. And like we said, you know, that's kind of the, the main thing he's known for. But it is just fascinating that this guy who made, you so know. you're saying he's really into video poker. <laughs> <laughs> Are there other people who are also into video poker that our listeners might be familiar with? Their uh, their names escape me. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just fascinating to me that this guy who, uh, though I guess we should just mention... um, or the, the, the Blaze article that wrote up the buyout of um, The Blaze by CRTV. Currently, this is owned by CRTV LLC, and underneath that is The Blaze, uh, Conservative Review, the website, and CRTV are both all subsidiaries of his company now. But the Daily Beast article is December 2018, and they get um, one of Glenn Beck's former employees talking about the buyout to say, quote, we always thought Beck was opposed to bailouts, unquote. Um, so it is just something <laughs> to... <laughs> to marvel at uh, that he's now, I guess, taking orders from this guy. But it is something that fascinates me that this guy who, uh, you know, 
clearly made his fortune on free money from the government and predatory lending practices to students and now peddles influence and rates conservative politicians on how well they are serving his bottom line has so completely escaped scrutiny that it's almost impossible to find information about this incredibly shady guy who very clearly corrupted our political system and made money doing it. You should try Googling El Jaffe. <laughs> Get more infringement. Um, and I guess just last Which, thing. Which, that's his only alter ego. <laughs> last thing I wanted to mention, uh, conservative radio host Mark Levine, as well as former California Governor Pete Wilson, are also major shareholders in CRTV. Um, uh, Carrie Katz is the primary shareholder. But um, it is just interesting to note, uh, uh, Mark Stein makes this point, that uh, those pe- both of them are, former, are lawyers, so that might be um, kind of a conflict that uh, insider dealing transfers designed to thwart a judge's payment order uh, are considered fraudulent. So just the fact that these two former lawyers sign on to uh, him suing his own company in order to pay a judgment uh, should give you pause. And uh, I guess we'll uh, see him at the next country music festival. <laughs> Sorry, that took me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Adam, thank you so much for being with us. And, oh, thank uh, you. Where can people find you as well as do you have any closing thoughts for the listeners about your time at, uh, at Blaze? Now CRTV, uh, would you like your job back if you could get it back? Would you would you go back to that swamp? If I could, I did a uh, I did a, a moving job into a fourth floor walk up today. <laughs> I would would love nothing more than to read comments for eight hours in my underwear. I don't care. I don't care how it doesn't even have to be the place. If yeah. you're a shitty website listening to this right now, I'll read whatever you want. I don't. I have no principles. I'll tell you where to find these idiots too, so we can we can take down the Grubstakers <laughs> Empire, and then the commentators yeah. will just reign free. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll take that job back in a second, boy. And I'll say, uh, if you're gonna hire one guy, hire Adam Sokol. Yes. Yeah. If you're gonna hire two guys, I am also looking. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine the contrast between like lifting a, a box full of hardcover books and just clicking a button whenever you see the N word. Oh. <laughs> it's, just worlds apart. There's air conditioning. You get to like stay home and have the TV on in the background. Just hang out with my cat. It's yeah. great. You, you, uh, maybe there's an opening at the Daily Caller or something coming up I, on their yeah, website. That's got to be so much easier than like trying to moderate Tumblr where you just have all these factions who are all calling you like different kinds of prejudice. Whereas like <laughs> uh, based on just because they don't like how you're modding versus like on the blaze where it's just it's very cut and dry where it's just like N word block N word yeah. block. Right. The only factions on the blaze are the people who believe the moderators are lizards and the people who believe the <laughs> moderators are Jewish. <laughs> Um, but uh, thank you so much for listening. Check out our Patreon to, to drop later this week. Uh, we will have uh, an episode on um, uh, the Daily Wire, the fracking billionaires behind that. And uh, check out Adam Sokol, very funny comedian. Yeah, uh, Sokol Adam on uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. One, if you want to read my, my long-running blog about Star Trek that has very little N-words in it, uh, <laughs> adamsokol.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. I thought it was an interesting choice that you used it for the Ferengis. <laughs> D- Daily Beast, you mean? Uh, uh, the Daily, Daily Wire. Wire, sorry. Oh, okay. Did I say? Yeah, uh, Ben Shapiro's Media Empire, The Daily Wire. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. 
Adam Sokol on his uh, Star Trek blog accidentally posts up a comment section. It's like, oh, shit, here we go again. <laughs> Just like the beginning of San Andreas. Um, but thank you so much for listening, and uh, we hope this was in, as informative to you as it was to us to, to learn about this very shady and very underreported character in the student loan and right-wing media info, in ecosystem. Thank you. I'm Sean P. McCarthy. I'm Steve Jeffers. I'm Andy Palmer. And we'll see you on the premium side. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Suck it to me. <laughs>